0: This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross.
1: I want to take a second to thank Gadgetflow for sponsoring this episode. Guys, if you are looking for an awesome platform to get your crowdfunding project in front of over 25 million people per month, you should absolutely check them out. They are the third largest Indiegogo partner and listed on Kickstarter as experts, And not to mention they've worked with over 4,000 crowdfunding projects since 2012. Their platform also now supports AR and VR, which I thought was a really cool add-on. To find out more, you should definitely head over to thegadgetflow.com slash submit to list your crowdfunding project today. But be sure to use coupon code UNCUT10 to get 10% off your services with them. Hello. Welcome to episode 110. We have Sol Orwell on the show today, which guys, if you don't know who he is, he's definitely someone to follow. If you are in the health food space, examine.com is a company that he founded that is a Google for health supplements. So it gives you real scientifically backed data to show you what supplements you should be using to maintain a healthy life. Whether you are building muscle, losing weight, detoxing, doesn't matter. It's a really awesome resource. And that's ultimately examine.com is what put Saul Orwell on the map. And after he created a very successful company uh, with that, he's now had an opportunity to really uh, spend his time creating a business, um, giving back and, and creating lasting impact. And that's actually a theme that we're gonna be going through with the next couple of episodes where entrepreneurs that, um, they are looking to create a company that creates lasting impact and it they're very in touch with uh, how they work and, and what they want to do to have fun while also making money. Um, why this angle? It's because Really, you're creating a company. Whether or not you don't know what your product launch is going to look like in four years, you do have to keep an open mind and make sure that you intentionally create your business to um, to to serve ultimately your selfish goals and what you want to leave your mark as and what kind of a life that you want. And these are a lot of questions that entrepreneurs don't tend to ask themselves until they are in year two and in major burnout or um, or self-destruct their company. And this is really where Soul comes in. I met him because he was a couple of years ago starting to make a name for himself as the local cookie monster. And this is a guy who wanted to build a different kind of relationship with people. And so instead of having the typical boring coffee date, and he tells the story so much better, but instead of just inviting someone out to network for coffee, he invites them out to enjoy Toronto's best chocolate chip cookie. And he, because it was so different and he was having a lot of fun with it, eventually one thing led to another and he started creating networking events that brought entrepreneurs to together from very different fields to have a fun environment. So instead of the stuffy networking events you might go to, he's a guy that's actually reinvented the experience to have chocolate chip cookie offs, and he's branching into a few other things right now. But um, in this interview, Sol's going to go through why he now set up his life the way he is and really how you can, what are some questions you could be asking yourself to be more in alignment with you and create impact if that is something you want. Um, so, and Soul, I'm really stoked to have you on the show as our first official episode release of 2018.
0: Uh, it's my pleasure to be on.
1: You know, so we've sat down for cookies a couple of times now, And just being in the same circles, I feel like I know you fairly well, but I'm pretty excited for this interview because... I know that there's a lot I don't know about you, and as the audience may or may not be familiar with your work, I would like to first say congratulations for making it onto the Tim Ferriss blog. Um, you know, Anyone listening to the show knows that I'm a big Ter- Tim Ferriss fan, and he's ultimately the, the main reason why I'm doing this, and to me, um, I was joking around with Soul one time saying that, you know, you are like a Toronto Tim Ferriss to me, uh, which you kind of laughed, but, um, anyways, enough about that tangent. Why don't we start off with you going into how you got started as an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, originally I've, uh, to be more, uh, particular with what you said, um, you know, a lot of people aspire to be entrepreneurs. They uh, wanted to make a lot of money or they wanted to build this big business and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for me, I, em- I immigrated to the West when I was 14. Uh, primarily, I'm ethnically Kashmiri, uh, primarily grew up in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and Japan. So for me, entrepreneurship was really about freedom uh, the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want, without having someone else tell me what to do. So when I started Examine.com, which is almost seven years ago in 2011, i had actually been an entrepreneur for 12 years. I got my start in 1999. And uh, all of my businesses that I've done, and I'll get a little bit more detail with examine.com, all of them were based around my own interests, uh, things I cared about. I didn't really care about anyone else. I was solving my own problem. There's that you know famous phrase of eating your own dog food. That's exactly what I was exemplifying. So originally, I made my money in online games and virtual currency. Uh, this is in the late 90s, early 2000s. I loved playing online games. That's why I got into that. Secondly, I made money in local search. I moved to a new neighborhood in Toronto, didn't know what was around. This is right around when Google Maps launched, like 2002, 2003. And that did well also. And about eight years ago, I started losing weight. And just like anyone who doesn't know much about nutrition, I believe the hype that supplement companies were selling, right, buy CLA and increase muscle mass by 300%, which is actually crazy if you think about it, right? Like if you have 10-inch arms, let's say, 300% means you end up with 40-inch arms, which is just absurd. Like no one can have that. But, uh, you know, you believe the hype, you buy it, and you realize this is full of garbage, right? They're basically full of shit. And so why examine.com happened was I looked around and I said, there's no website I can go to that... I can trust that the supplement and nutrition information they say is true. Uh, To a level, you could say that with Wikipedia, but Wikipedia didn't really dig into it, right? They were just kind of giving the superficial analysis. And so seven years on from that, examine.com is now one of the largest organizations in nutrition. We analyze nutrition and supplement research. We get like two and a half million visitors a day. And basically what happened was I went to my co-founders and I said, listen, I've done businesses I can run this stuff I can do the marketing I can do the development I just need two huge nerds who can do the research and make sense of the research uh, and it just so happened that that's exactly what they were interested in and that's kind of how we got our start now uh, to, to kind of take one second, you know people want to be entrepreneurs and this sounds like a cool business when we first started we only were doing bodybuilding supplements Then we expand into fitness supplements. Then we expand into health supplements. Then all supplements. Then nutrition. So seven years later, you can look at this huge organization and go, holy shit, they had a huge mission statement from the beginning. But the reality is when we first started, we had one problem to solve. Now, what bodybuilding supplements work? You know, what will make me muscular? Which will help me burn fat or which is a complete waste of my time? That's it. Everything else came uh, sequentially, and you know, Examine's kind of grown a lot in the last seven years, and I'm quite interested yeah. to see where it ends up in the what next. What would you find, uh, I
1: don't want to have a seven conversation years about how that. you monetize the website or anything like that. But um, Examine, it's cool now sure. that after seven years, you've you've taken a step back. What would you say your role? Because you don't actively run the company now. What what are your day to day operations, and what does that look like of your right. role with Examine?
0: So part of the big, uh, big thing of what I do is uh, I'm a big believer in, like I know myself, and uh, my brain tends to wander, and to have any successful organization, you need focus. You need focus and understanding of both the micro uh, situations and the, and the big picture, the macro view, right? And so my goal always with any organization is to bring someone else who's really, really into the topic, subject matter at hand, uh, and then eventually let him or her run the show, Um, So that's kind of what we did with uh, examine.com. For the last year and a half, two years, I haven't really been involved with how it's operated and how it's run. With that said, uh, one of the realizations I've had, and and you chatted about this a little bit, was um, I'm much more interested in the impact my work can do in the general population. And no matter what I do subsequently, examine.com gets so much traffic that it will likely be the biggest impact driver I have. And so as such, uh, roughly early this year now, I mean, I guess it's been four days in, but uh, about a month ago, I have started gotten a little bit more uh, involved, uh, more in terms of organizational and even content structure, because that's something uh, I'm well aware of, be it voice, be it expanding the message and distribution. So um, in general, there's a leadership team. I'm one vote out of four. Um, We tend to generally agree with everything. I mean, the honest truth is I do have in the back pocket, I can unilaterally overrule anyone I want because I own the company, but I pretty much never do that. Maybe once a year I do that. Um, I prefer the consensus and even... If I don't agree with what's going on, I found that once uh, someone gets their ass kicked, they tend to learn from their lesson. So I've had uh, them disagree uh, with me a few times, do what they thought was better, didn't work out, and realize, oh, okay, this uh, would work better. So um, in general, I'm a big, big believer in empowering the employees to do what needs to be done um, and not micromanaging them, but just kind of stepping yeah. in sometimes just what to guide them Is, um, if they're going examin-
1: based to, to fill a personal need in your life. And you focused on one very specific niche with research um, yeah. on the bodybuilding and stuff. When you started to focus on expanding yeah. into different topics to encompass the whole supplement line, how, did, how do you choose what kind of content to put out there? That yeah. is it content that, um, that people ask for? Do you do audience surveys? Do you just have a, like, how do you do that, right?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I was hundred percent. I was just writing about this earlier today, where uh, people ask me, "What do I write about? What do I sell?" And the number one answer to that always is just talk to your users already. So mm-hmm. when we are in bodybuilding supplements, we would get questions all the time. So we facilitate them, right? We encourage people, hey, ask us what questions you have. What would you like for us to cover? What would you like to know? Um, and that's how we expand it. So, for example, we had a page on creatine, right? Creatine essentially boosts power output, possibly has some neurological benefits, has pretty much no downsides unless you have serious, serious um, kidney issues, and so one of the more common questions we got was creatine and kidney. Now, we had given a general quick answer saying, you know, mm-hmm. there's no uh, impact on it unless you have like nephratic or whatever situation it is. Um, but as more and more people asked, about it, eventually we made its own page saying, you know, does creatine have an impact on my kidney? And now if you search for creatine kidney or is creatine bad for my kidney or whatever, we're number one on it. So. A lot of it was, as our audience kind of grew with us, as they learned more and more about, let's say, creatine, they had subsequent questions about, hey, how does that interact with carbs? Or hey, should I have the before meal or after meal? So meal timing and whatnot. We just kind of gradually expanded and grew with them. And the nice thing was because we were so established in this one specific niche, as we expanded out, the trust we had built up expanded into these other areas. So it wasn't like, wait a minute, I trust you for supplements. I don't know about you guys for nutrition. It was more like, okay, I trust you for supplements. You guys seem to know your stuff. I will read your nutrition stuff. And uh, inevitably, we got some backlash there, like there always is. Uh, but in general, the message and, and feedback we got was very positive. And because, uh, finally, because we solicited feedback so much, people were also even used to the idea of telling us, hey, we think this about that, or I like this idea, or like I don't like that idea. So as we expanded, it was it was How actually pretty damn see? easy. Getting established was a tough part. Expansion like, was actually your, pretty easy. What's
1: your favorite way to do
0: it? Um, so, uh, I mean, the easiest way is obviously via email. And from that, the easiest way is just when they sign up, and then a couple of weeks after they sign up, and then like three to six months after they've already been in. So, when you sign up on like our welcome email, will be blah, blah, blah. And at the end, they'll say, hey, you know, what's your biggest concern with supplementation? And I'll be honest, we get essays from people like things I'll take 20 minutes to read. I can't even imagine how long it took them to write. Um, And then if you do it in a couple weeks, now they're a bit more comfortable. They've seen what you have to offer. And then three months and six months, right? Now they're really, really invested. Uh, At the end of the day, I also do tell people, ideally, to get on the phone. Um, Stuff like this cannot be emulated via email, right? You may ask me a question. Your question you're asking me right now is based on contingent on my previous answer, and email doesn't really work that way, right? Email is asynchronous, one person, and one other person, whereas conversation is much more live. So I always do recommend getting on the phone, talking to somebody, because the other important part of that is um, you'll hear the language they use. So when we started examine.com, we originally would call ourselves uh, trusted, uh, trustworthy, I think, and independent. But when we're asking people, hey, why do you trust examine.com? We found out that the word they used the most was unbiased. So across our website, we've started using the word unbiased more because that's the message that resounds, sorry, resonates with our audience more. So um, even something as simple as an NPS net promoter score is acceptable, but uh, definitely be it on your website through like Qualaroo and stuff like that or via email and then ideally in person or on phone. Um. Every opportunity, is, is, every opportunity you have with someone that, else, to I converse know, with them, is an opportunity to uh, fine like, tune your just business. With
1: our personal brand and the emails that we put out to our audience, like we do, ask for feedback. And so, because we have an active service and an active product that mm-hmm. we're selling and putting out there, that's one way to get feedback. But one thing I find fascinating with our clients is. For we sure. – Um, the work we do is pre-launch. So there isn't a product for sale yet. We're gauging interest in the audience and the market. And so the feedback that we have to get is like understanding how people foresee themselves using this product, what their current issues are with why they would buy the product. And it's a lot more like demographic understanding so we can then take that information and use it to have a stronger marketing pitch. Yeah. Um, Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah so to, to add on to that actually uh there's a few facets to that one we find that if you expose your personality more people are more likely to respond and want to answer your questions so instead of appearing like a robot um kamal for example who runs examine.com he has a severe um disorder that causes uh joint disorders so he's had his uh, he's had i think like four or five surgeries on his shoulder he's had over 20 mris on his shoulder by him revealing that aspect and saying, hey, I used to be you know, 190 pounds of muscle, now I'm like 140 or whatever because of this condition, people are like, okay, this man is not just some kind of freak that's always been muscular or some kind of guy who doesn't care about lifting weights. He's had to respond to the situation in front of him. So that's one key impo- uh, ingredient I found is to expose your personality. With that said, um, it's underrated to hassle your own friends, to be honest, like you'll know... I mean, here's the thing, right? I solved my own problem, but my friends are obviously similar to me. And asking them is a great way to solicit Hmm. feedback. The other thing that's a little bit underrated is uh, Google surveys. So Google, you know, you'll see those ads maybe before YouTube. uh, But Google actually, what's great about it is they let you ask a screening question. So you can say, hey, are you an entrepreneur? Yes or no?" And then, like, if that's what you're going after, and if they say yes, then you can have your follow-up question of, like, "Hey, what's the biggest headache you have, or what makes you cringe, or whatever?" So there are tools out there that you can use, even if you don't have an existing audience, um, that, that will help you gauge now, what people are interested in, what they're ex- before
1: are. I move off from examine. I that was um, would you say that's your biggest had been your biggest commercial success up until like cookie life and the new brand that you're, you have.
0: Uh, I would say examine.com is my most successful uh, organization in terms of pure impact uh, or in terms of even notoriety uh, way back. I mean, local. I mean, examine.com I said was 2.5 million a, a month. Right. I mean, my local search site peaked at like three and a half million, uh, my online gaming was at like five, six million visitors a month. So mm-hmm. those definitely had more traffic, but in terms of something that I'm proud to stand behind, so then definitely examine.com is right at to the top. You, like, for sure. What
1: is the one thing that you think you did the best with examine.com? That is the reason it is the success it is today.
0: Um, it's more of a general problem. You know, online gaming is not a problem. Like you may not play online games, why do you care, right? Um, you, I mean, local search is a bit of an odd one, but obviously Google Maps eventually kicked everyone's ass, so that didn't even matter at all. Uh, but health and nutrition is universal, right? You care about it for your parents. Your parents care about it for you. You may care about it for your kids, or your cousins, or your siblings, or your friends. So um, it was just a very, very universal truth, and because we took such a staunch, so. I mean, in virtual currency or local search, there's not that much quid pro quo stuff. There's not a lot of hype. Uh, Whereas fitness and nutrition and health is just full of people selling you garbage. And so because we were a voice that cut through all that garbage, people responded to us a lot more strongly. Um, And again, the the impact of health and nutrition is universal. It's not to a subset of the audience. And, And again, eventually, originally, we started off with just bodybuilding supplements. My mom wouldn't care about creatine. I doubt your mom would care about creatine. But eventually when we hit stuff like diet soda and MSG and all that kind of stuff, that applies to everybody. And because we took such a fact-based approach and we focused more on researchers than marketers or content writers, uh, it play, it came through in our content. Some of it is inaccessible because it's so nerdy. Uh, but you can read it and instantly. Nope, you know, these guys really, really care so about um, what they're one doing.
1: Of, personally, because I've known you a couple years now. My favorite project that you have ever done is cookie life. I want to talk yep. about that because. Okay. So yep. what I love about cookie life is you've okay, taken like
0: talk about. <laughs>
1: networking events and you've taken live events and connecting people to a whole other level. Um, when I, so like, I, I moved from uh, yeah. London to Toronto a couple yeah. years ago, and I started Toronto Internet Marketers, a meetup group, because I was so fed up with how uh, the events in Toronto seem super stuffy, and it's all like, uh, you know, hello, my name is, like, corporate feel events. And when yeah. I met you and came to your first cookie off, you yeah. are connecting people over something they love. But so you're, you're putting fun in with networking, but also allowing people to build true relationships just with like how you conduct the whole thing. So like, I want to know why did you start cookie life and what, when you started, like, what was your vision with it? Is it just like a fun thing or do you have an end goal with it? Let's talk about that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, for those listening, there's there's multiple facets actually here. Um, so the original original kind of conceit behind this was um, if you place yourself in someone else's shoes, right? Um, especially, let's say someone that has some kind of uh, public audience and whatnot. They're being inundated with, "Hey, let's go grab coffee. Hey, I think you're great. Let's hang out," and So the question was, if I was contacting somebody and I wanted to hang out with them, just saying, hey, let's go grab coffee, sucks. Uh, Using the phrase, I want to pick your brain, sucks. And it just so happened that I really love food. I've had a sweet tooth. Um, A lot of, like, maybe dozens and dozens of people come to Toronto every year. And I give them my food recommendations. And they come back and, like, these are great. So I just found this one spot in Toronto that was kind of central and downtown that had really, really good cookies. And originally, all my story was, hey... You know, let's hang out. I'm going to bribe you with the best chocolate cookies in Toronto. And one, by mentioning bribe, I made it obvious that, you know, you're being inundated. This is obviously not serious, but quasi-serious. And secondly, who isn't interested in the best chocolate cookies you can have in a city? You're like, okay, you have my attention. (laughs) And I had a lot of people actually that would respond and be like, hey, is it better than X? And I'm like, I've tried X. Don't like, why are you embarrassing? Like, you're embarrassing yourself here. So that's how the original thing started um the cookie life happened because i love um i love eating uh and it just so happened that a friend of mine she didn't believe that this were the best chocolate cookies i convinced her to come over she did she had one bite and she's like best cookies i've ever had and i was like woman this is never in doubt um and to make a very long story short uh, about a month and a half later, we helped co-host a chocolate chip cookie off, where we invited our friends and said, "Just come on over, bring your own, bring professionals if you want, and we'll just we'll blind rate them." And subsequently, after that happened, um, I posted that on Facebook. And a big part of me on Facebook is, you know, a lot of other entrepreneurs uh, or people who speak about entrepreneurship—they're very inspirational, they're very rara all the time. Whereas I'm more of like a bitter old curmudgeonly man that's yelling at people to get off my lawn. But my entire point was, you know, you can enjoy your life. You can be fit and healthy and still do ridiculous feasts. You just need to find a moderating balance. And after I posted that picture, other people started commenting and saying, hey, I can make better cookies. And I'm a big, big believer in going for the ask and approaching something as ridiculously as possible. And I said, all right, prove it to me. Send me your cookies. And so that's how the cookie life originally started was just someone from actually London um, uh, Ontario sent me uh, cookies, and it just kind of spiraled out of control. And I've kind of mostly shut it down now. It's it's I guess now two years old. I received almost 200 uh, primarily cookies, but people have sent me pies and other random desserts. At its peak, I was getting three to four a week and it was just too much. Um, But what happened is it almost like split, right? We had the the Cookie Life Fair where people are sending me cookies. But what happened was when 2017 approached, uh, the original Cookie Off was January 2016. So when 2017 approached, people started saying, hey, I would like to come to your Cookie Off because it's absurd, right? The the problem is, you know, you mentioned Toronto Area Markers the problem is everyone's doing the same old thing, right? They're doing an event, they're bringing in famous speaker, insert, whatever. Um, They're bringing a few other locals and that's it. There's nothing interesting about it. There's nothing novel about it. It It's boring as hell. They're all the same. And my other part of it was because I don't do any coaching, I don't do any consulting, I get to choose who I associate with. And not to sound like an asshole, but um, I love entrepreneurs. I'm glad they're trying to do something. But I'm at a level where, again, because I'm not offering any services, I'd rather ha- ha- sorry, hang out with people who have accomplished something so that we can actually share stories of, like, how do we improve this and how do we make that better. better. And so the association came with me hanging out with people who were uh, uh, successful at the same time. Um, and so when 2017 came by, and people started saying, hey, I would like to attend this cookie. off," I was like, OK, there's actually a demand. Let's do an event. And part of it for me, again, was I'd never done an event before in my life. And I was like, okay, I'd like to try to do an event. Um, and eventually part of it became, I don't really want to do an event, so I don't want to make any money from this event. Why don't I just donate any money? We make to charity? And that's kind of how like, it just then kind of spiraled out of control where other people are saying, hey, why don't you do it in New York and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, just to give a sense of it, this originally all happened two years ago. Literally, just under two years ago. A year ago was our first event. Uh, middle of January 2017. Mm. Uh, that raised $1,400 for Charity Canadian. So we can just round it down a 1000 U.S. dollars. We just did one in New York two months ago, uh, and that raised over $30,000 U.S. dollars this time. So it's one of those things where, um, again, kind of going back to examine.com, you start off small, you do something right, you have fun with it, and then you slowly and surely expand it. Um, to the level that you're comfortable with. I've had people give me so many ideas of, man, you can expand this to 100,000, 500,000. And I'm sure it could happen maybe one day, but there's so much work to get there. Whereas I'm more focused on, you know what, let's have some fun. Let's do something ridiculous that's memorable. Um, and then the rest of the pieces will kind of fall in place. So that's the, Where do you excuse see me, the cookie life cookie and life. the food charity offs and, and with whatnot right there. The
1: soul or wall universe. Like, because it's. It's not, it, I, I see it being far enough away from Examine that's not a lead gen for Examine. It's purely for fun network. Like, where Where do you see it, like, in its place? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, so as a brand, uh, if we even look at my entirety of my brand, um, it is extremely external to examine.com. There are people who loathe me that love examine.com because I talk about my views on politics or immigration or finance and whatever, right? Even actually, I never shared religion. Um, the cookie life is just an extension of that. Um, I actually just recently mentioned I don't want to be known as the cookie guy. People like do these crazy stunts to build a personal brand. Like, there's some guy in fitness who's known for lifting heavy weights while he eats chicken wings or something. Like, it's just stupid, right? There's no. Um, Like it's actually really, really stupid. There's no longevity in it, right? You do it the first time, people are like, wow. You do it the 10th time, people are like, eh. You do it the 100th time, people are like, eh, just get out of here, right? So the cookie life is more of an extension of my desire to do ridiculous things more than anything else. And that's why, why I mentioned there's the cookie life and there's charity food offs because the cookie life is basically on pause. I don't really have anyone sending me any more food or cookie. I mean, occasionally it happens. Um, a dude from Vietnam just sent me amazing batch of chocolates. Like this New York Times wrote about the uh, New York Times wrote about these chocolates in Vietnam, and he lives in Vietnam, so he just sent this huge package. It's mind blowing. Um, so I'm not anti-cookie life or anti-treats, um, but it was never meant to be the brand. It was never meant to be me. It's just something here, something ridiculous. The food charity ops, right? Like my my next one will be in July in Toronto. I'd love to crack 50,000 US. Will I still be doing it in three years? I don't know. What will I be doing in three years? I have legitimately no Clue. All I know is that I tend to chase things I find interesting, which is why I have no desire to write a book, which is why I don't do videos, which is why I don't do coaching or have any desire to do courses because it doesn't fit in with what I want. Um, so in terms of brand, like people will extrapolate whatever connects with them as form of your brands. Uh, for some people, it's me ranting about things on Fridays on Facebook. Uh, for some people, it's my hatred for raisins. Yeah. So I, I had like four people just this past week being like, Saul, why do you always like your own Facebook post? And we had this hilarious conversation about like, hey, I wrote it. It's amazing. Why wouldn't I like it? Uh, but it's that kind of stuff. I, I think people get too focused on building this one specific part of their personal brand. Um, whereas I, by almost showing that I don't care about it, attract people being like, hey, there's much more to life than this one you know little facet. Uh, I'm intrigued by the, the, the of- entire big picture. Okay.
1: So we were talking about this offline a little bit with one of the, you, at, you straight up, you're like, what have you been up to for the last six months? And like, I went into how I feel like kind of with our brand, we're mm-hmm. so focused on like, what can we do in the next three months? And I find that a lot, that's the, the downside to crowdfunding that I'm looking to change too, that yeah. people are like, how do we have this amazing product launch? And they just don't even focus on the the phase two and what they're actually trying to create. right? And I think that you and I are both at that spot in our business where we're yeah. like, really, what is the long-term, the, the runway that you're creating with this? And it's not segmented to just the now. It's like, truly, what is this empire that you're, you're trying to create? Um, how did you go through this exercise to figure out like really what long-term, what, you, what your empire looks like?
0: So just to be uh, clear, I mean, we have, let's say, a three-year strategic plan for examine.com that we recheck on every six months and rejigger dates are out. I have no absolute plan in terms of myself other than the underlying mission to be almost like a contrarian voice and by that i mean you know you look at the more popular people who speak about entrepreneurship from Vaynerchuk to whoever's in magazines these days and a lot of it is incredible grind just work hard um into personally i think complete nonsense so my brand and my mission isn't necessarily something i've defined i understand what you're saying as a company you definitely need to have some kind of strategic vision of where you want to be it might be completely almost full of shit in a way, but at least you have some kind of picture of where you want to be, right? It might change. Like three years planning is insane. Like almost, like almost, I would say like 99999 percent of people never hit the three year plan, not because it's unfeasible because your own motivations change. So on a personal level, I'm just far more interested in how do I impact people in a positive way that go, Hey, this looks like fun. So as an example, one of my random hobbies is making giant chocolates, um, And I posted a giant Ferrero Rocher I made a month or two ago. Um, And it was this like 21,000 calorie beast. I think it was like 10 inches in diameter. It was just disgusting. But part of the message behind it was I'm fit. I may not be the most muscular person in the world, but I'm fit. But I still indulge in ridiculous things. Like it took me seven hours to make that chocolate. I had to set aside time for it. Um, and I obviously did not eat it either. There's 12 of us and we made barely a dent into it. And then we just split it up and we all took it home and froze it. But it's that kind of stuff, right? There's no single right way to do it. And I would like for more people to enjoy the life that they can, instead of just thinking I need to hit, I don't know what number hundred thousand a year or a million a year. I don't know how that changes your life that much. Um, so that's kind of, my, my, I'm more, I don't have a, a Specific thing I want to go towards, but I have more of a general you mission at the of very beginning you know of show people that life's not so serious. We
1: call it like yeah. y- entrepreneurship for you is about freedom and the freedom to create what you want out of life. And I find that mm-hmm. yeah, the three-year vision for me has been so hard to get down because every six months I'm like, ooh, this new, you know, I just I get sidetracked. But how and you seem to have been gotten very clear on sure. what you Some want in China, out of your yeah. life. And like, it doesn't have to be, I want a million dollar company, but how did you get clear on that? And, and I mm-hmm. asked that because, um, a lot of right. my clients, when I, I ask them in the very beginning, where do you see this in 12 months or, or three, whatever, it's always a revenue goal. And they have a really hard time figuring out like what, what the end goal is truly of what they want that business to do for their life. So like, how did you get clear on that?
0: For sure. Uh, I think if we actually kind of unwind the question, I think the problem with most entrepreneurs is they don't know what they're solving. What's the problem you're solving? That's the essence of the question. So, examine.com isn't about we're selling guides or we're selling education or we're selling courses. The essence of it is what problem are we solving? So, when you asked me how I got to that, I didn't really. uh, My entire problem I'm solving for myself is how do I have fun? The cookie life was fun, charity food offs fun going rally racing fun making giant chocolate bars fun like i might get tired of it next year and i'll just stop doing it so uh, the problem is twofold here when people don't really know the problem they're solving you know, if you're, if let's say, um, yeah, going back to examine.com, our problem wouldn't, our, the, the solution wouldn't have been like, hey, we need to hit a million dollars in revenue. The solution would be more towards we want a thousand customers or something like that. And in a way it's tied into revenue, but it's not because really what we're saying is we solved a problem for 1,000 individuals. So same thing with me, right? Like um, I did a lot of public speaking these last two years because it was solving a problem for me. It was something I wanted to get better at. I wanted to, to get really comfortable with it. Um, and eventually I did. Right. So in October, for example, I spoke at a conference with 13000 registered dietitians there and I wrote my talk about a week before I did not actually practice it one full time and I went up and as far as I'm concerned, I crushed it. Like I got the user reviews back. It was incredibly positive. It was like top five talks of there were like 100 talks at this conference. Right. and so I was like, okay, but I don't need to do public speaking anymore. So I moved on. And so it was never about I'm going to solve public speaking. It was more about I'm doing public speaking because it makes my life more fun. And it makes my more life more fun because it lets me travel to different places. It lets me meet different people I normally would not get to meet. I've solved a problem, so I moved on from it. So I think that's like my viewpoint on here isn't I've got goals. It's more what's driving me and what can I do that helps okay. further that
1: makes whatever it is
0: that's driving me. At that time. So, yeah, Um, that's about it.
1: I guess my last question I don't, yeah, my last topic question is like, you have, um, you are very well connected. And mm-hmm. you have been able to, you know, a column was done on Forbes for right. you. You've been on the Tim Ferriss um, blog twice. And, you know, these obviously were not paid yeah. spots. They were legitimately because yeah. you have are providing a lot of value and a lot of um, yeah. really credible entrepreneurs want you to share with their audience. So, like, I don't want – the question isn't – what are your tips for getting friends in high places? But I want to know, like, what would you say is your habit that you have mastered over the last 5, 10, 15 years to be able to get friends in high places and, like, the notoriety, right?
0: For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. So um, the honest truth is, uh, first of all, there's uh, there's a level of, inevitability to it and what i mean by that is most of the people i know that are let's say well connected or well known they had no idea who i was they knew about my company examine.com and eventually they met me and they knew me through that company so the amount of times i've heard oh my god you start examine.com i love that company innumerable it happens all the time. Um, It's become less now because my own, let's say people know more of me and my own writing, but for the last three years, I mean, I would say 75% of these quote unquote well-known people I've met is because they were fans of examine.com. Someone mentioned, hey, I saw you like examine.com, whatever, this is the guy who helped create it, voila. So the reason I say inevitability to it is you can't escape in a way examine.com. And you can't escape, let's say, Tim Ferriss. And it's not that you can't escape the person. You can't escape the work they've done. You can't escape Ramit, right? You may not know who Ramit is, but you will know about his website. I will teach you to be rich. Worst, worst name in the in the world, he'll admit it to. Or Growth Lab, because they are big, big websites. And that was always my focus. It, like People spent so much time building up their Instagram and getting followers and all that kind of shit, where I was more busy and worried about how do I build something that's truly kick-ass. So that was step number one. It made meeting anybody I want super easy. Step number two, uh, and these aren't necessarily in order steps, but step number two is doing something interesting. Uh, making giant chocolates, interesting. Um, you know, Doing the cookie life or doing charity food offs, interesting. Because I wasn't doing what everyone else is doing, immediately you stand out and i didn't do it to stand out i like i've been making giant chocolates now for like seven years and no one's known about half of them that's fine i didn't because i cared about it and so eventually if i meet someone like i met someone and she was like man i really hate hershey's and i was like yeah hershey's is the worst when i make my chocolates i use this she's like what do you mean when you make your chocolates I was like, oh yeah this is my hobby And she's like this is insane and she was a baker herself and then she eventually made a nutella cake because she's like i can anyway the point being that because i i foster these other interests meeting other people and having a conversation with them is incredibly easy uh you want to talk about sports We can do that. You want to talk about architecture? We can do that. You want to talk about books? We can do that. You want to talk about technical stuff like computers and cryptocurrency and all that? We can do that. So many people are focused on just the same boring thing. They just read entrepreneurship books over and over business books. I read maybe one business book a year just because they all say the same shit. But if you want to have a conversation about why do zebras have stripes and blah blah blah, far more interesting. And that's where you connect. You don't connect on business strategies. You connect on your own personal interests. Um, and thirdly and finally, um, and this may be a bit more specific to me relative to the general population, but I love connecting people. On In any given year, I will connect over a thousand people easily. And what happens is people will remember that. And I don't do it for the sake of remembering. I do it because I like A person. I like B person. I think A and B should be. So, for example, you mentioned Tenfer. So about in the last four five, six days, um, an article went up by a lady named Elaine, who is a journalist at Forbes. So the original way I connected with Elaine like three years ago was um, I've been on Reddit for 11 years now, maybe 12 years almost now. Uh, And some Redditor who is a huge fan of examine.com tweeted at her saying, hey, you should write about examine.com. And I replied, and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So she wrote about me. I didn't know she wrote for Forbes. She wrote about it on Forbes. Voila, things blew up. Um, And her thing was basically she writes about, like, really small companies that are hitting at least seven figures in revenue. So subsequently, I started introducing her to my friends who have such small businesses. Jason Gagnard, uh, people you know, Diana Goodwin, Boris uh, Vazeman from Soxy. all these people uh, Floyd, I introduced her to them and said, they're doing interesting things, they have interesting ideas, you should write about them. And she did. And eventually, when she started writing her book on these entrepreneur, on these entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, she asked me, like, hey, do you know any other entrepreneurs? I was like, sure. I think, like, I've sent Steve Kem of Nerf Fitness, Mark Manson, so many people to her that she's subsequently written about. Maybe like 30, 40 people now in the last, like, three years. And so two things happened. One, when she wrote her book in the acknowledgments, I'm right at the top. Acknowledgement to Saul Orba. Awesome. But secondly, when she was writing for Tim Ferriss's website, she had to pick case studies. And I got picked as one of the case studies. And I'm not saying it's because in the back of my head I knew this was going to happen. But because I was so helpful to her, it was a no-brainer for her to be like, why would I not? be a case study of salt. And what's really fascinating is subsequently in the comment section, there's, I think, three or four people who've said, hey, I'm a fan of salt from who knows where. I didn't even know. Actually, I didn't know. I only knew one of them out of those three or four. So it's that kind of stuff, right? If you bring people together, like people are so worried about their immediate ROI. Like if I introduce this person or like they lose a, they connect somebody, they somehow feel like it loses their influence or something, which I've never really, really ever understood because eventually all this stuff adds up. And I've had so many people now that are very influential. Be like, hey, X person mentioned me. I thought I should say, and I was like, cool, what's up? So it's just that mindset where if you are helping others, and I mean, really, I'm helping my own friends, right? If Boris is uh, in Forbes, I'll be like, Boris, you should take me out to dinner. You're kind of famous now, and obviously, I'm not being really serious. But there's an insi- there's that like that relationship we have. Um, so that's really it. Like those three things. There's no secret sauce to it. But if you build something um, amazing, if you are more than just a simple person who just babbles on about entrepreneurship. And if you just even connect people and the connections are the most simple things. I've done connections where I'm like, hey, you two should know each other. All right, I'm out. And I'll like leave the face like I'll do it on Facebook. Done. Like it doesn't. I mean, obviously, you have to do there's a level. There's a skill set to introductions. but you can even build so much trust that I can now just literally tell two people, you should talk to each other. I won't even tell them why, and I'll just leave. And they'll be like, yes. And and the last really example of that is the New York cookie-off, right? So when I originally did the Toronto cookie-off uh, 11 months ago, it was $15 a ticket Canadian. And it took me like month to sell out. When I did the New York one, it was 250 US per ticket. And it took me 12 days to sell out. And what I did was everyone who came... They were given a post-it note with, with one to three names of people they should go out and say hello to. And there have been so many connections formed at this one little cookie off that I've literally got dozens and dozens of messages being like, hey, I met this person because of you, all right, this happened because of you, or I'll be tagged in something on Facebook being like, Cece or well, this happened because of you. So if you bring humans together, I mean, things will just happen on their own. Sorry, that was a bit of a long answer, but yes, that is that was it. There was no secret. There was no, um, you know, no tactics on how to write the best email or how to present myself best. It was just being a normal human being yeah, in today's you world. since too powerful. What, of what
1: kind of notebook do you already. have? Like it's the quarter size page. Okay, yeah, Moleskin.
0: But is a simple moleskin or whatever. Like, yeah, I just, these are like, it's like two inches by three inches, just regular moleskins. There's nothing um, secret to it. And I mean, you've been at the receiving end of my introductions too, right? Like, hey, you should get to know this person. And I'm out. And like, there's no cost to me to do it. And you may do business and you may make $100 million with someone else. And I'll definitely get a dinner out of you if that happens. But it, there's there's literally no downside. But for some, pe- for some reason, people are very, very almost, uh, they hoard their connections, which I've always found to be really, really, I think, uh, really, um, short sighted and frankly, and, like, not
1: first time it's happened. Um, but I, someone messaged me on Facebook. He's like, Hey, um, are you still taking clients? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you, you know, I have a referral for you. It's like, awesome. He's like, and if you close them, what kind of a commission am I going to get? And I was just like, I don't work that way. I'm sorry. Like, not that I won't, I, I do something if you give me something, but I just, I hate there to be hidden motives of like, of transactions like that, you know?
0: 100%. The quid pro quo or the affiliate stuff, like, I understand the affiliate stuff, I get it, I'm okay with it, but if I'm recommending someone, I'm doing it because I think they're legitimate. And if money comes afterwards, fine, who cares, but and it doesn't, to be honest, uh, like in a in in thought exercise, I understand if someone makes affiliate fees off of it, that's fine. But the basis of the recommendation should always be, will one person be happy with the other person? If so, awesome. My one web developer I've used, I've sent him maybe like 20 clients. I've never asked for a discount. I've never asked for a commission or anything because he makes me look good because when he does a good job, everyone else is like, Saul knows good people. And I'm like, cool, that makes me look good. And that I will open up doors. Exactly, I can't even imagine, I, I, God knows uh, when down the road.
1: That. Now, that was a long winded way to say yes, but <laughs> man. So, okay, my last question is Is there anything else I should have asked you <laughs> that I haven't?
0: Uh, not honestly that I can think of. There's nothing really that's ever um, that I'm essentially focused on. So, what yeah, did we didn't even cut this off. We can just be like, so, and that was a great talk. Yeah, good day. Cool. I focused uh, this interview is, there's um, nothing for well to, as well uh, me I could point have, anyone toward.
1: you're a guy of many talents with his hands in many different kinds of companies. So, like, yeah, thanks for sharing. I think it's um really refreshing for me to talk to someone who just really wants to do good in the world and... And just, I don't know, has has a really well thought out plan of of why they're doing it. They're not chasing the Internet marketing thing. So I think it's been awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, money is important. Uh, I've made sufficient money. I don't have expensive taste. I don't need a fancy car or a giant house or anything like that. And it's fine if you do that's not what uh, I'm chasing. Um, and I'm, I'm very pragmatic that examine.com needs revenue to hire research. I mean, the most expensive reviewer we've used, he was, I think, $750 an hour. That's not cheap, right? That requires some serious uh, chunk of change. But I think people get lost in making money where there has to be a time to enjoy it, or there has to be a time for things that are not necessarily driven by money, which makes the work you do uh, financial work you do a lot more purposeful, I find, and a lot more motivating than if everything is uh, about generating revenue. So hopefully, you know, everyone can find their own balance. I think I found a semblance of balance for myself. Um, and I like to Agree. think that a lot of people um, cool. can also do anyone the same. If anyone wants
1: to get in contact with you or follow your work, where's a good spot to send them?
0: Uh, easiest place to start would be sjo.com. Um, join the email list that's usually the best way I respond I read all emails the email inflow has gotten really bad I may not respond to everyone now Um, but then I'll subsequently link to Facebook and Twitter and whatnot
1: All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. And remember, if you are looking for any of the links mentioned in this show, you can head over to crowdfundinguncut.com. And the show notes for all of our episodes are there. And we do have a field guide for your product launch. And so while it is specifically on crowdfunding, it is tailored to any sort of product launch you may be doing and has a lot of segues that way. Um, It has the checklist that we started with, but revamped and it's really sexy. And my favorite part of it is we've actually created a printable calendar outlay on that. So if you're someone who is a visual person like me and you like to see the launch timelines in front of you, then it's something you could have. So head over to crowdfundinguncut.com and you could pick up the field guide and the show notes. And I guess my last ask of you is we create this show based off of feedback from you guys. If there is a topic you really want to learn about, a question you have, or you want to see a project or a creator up here, let me know. Send me an email to k at and we are always looking for awesome guests with great stories PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like The Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.